0: Welcome to the Farming Basics Podcast with Olivia Fuller. We'll have sustainable farming tips from growers across the state and extension specialists at Auburn University.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is your host, Olivia Fuller, and your co-host, Jacob Kelly. Today, we have Camilla Rodriguez and Caroline Blanchard, who is a research associate under uh, Camilla Rodriguez, who's the food safety specialist on our team. So, we're going to talk about some of her upcoming projects. They're surrounding aquaponics and hydroponics. So, we're really excited about this topic because it's um, under-researched here in the South, as far as I've been able to tell. It seems to be popping up everywhere else across the world. Indoor agriculture is quite the hot topic most everywhere else you look, but... Here, it's still kind of new. So we're excited to learn about your research,
0: Camilla. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me again here. I'm excited about all my projects uh, related to aquaponic and hydroponics and control environment agriculture in, in general. Uh, I currently have research projects and extension projects that are coming up. We all know that food safety is a big issue, and it's a, it's a still a rising problem in the agriculture. And for fresh produce safety, is still being on the lead, causing cause. of uh, foodborne illnesses in the United States. And if you think about controlled environment, and sometimes people think it's the solution to foodborne illnesses, uh, it could be. You know, it could be safer. uh, But it's still, uh, there are other risks. There are other problems that it's not. People think about this as being the safest option and then growing safe produce, and they don't pay attention enough on the safety risks that are actually there, you know, they're still being handled by humans, and it's not a sterile environment, so it's impossible to grow, you know, fruits and vegetables it's sterile, so, and we, we have to think about food safety. And specifically for aquaponics, uh, if you think about the aquaponics system, which is a living sustainable system. We have fish that is growing on one side, we have plants that is growing on the other side, but we also have all the beneficial bacteria, all the uh, biome and the system. So you cannot do much to kill pathogens in the water. So if you, if you have contamination with salmonella in the water or E. coli or even listeria, that could be a problem because those systems are, you know, uh, plants are growing their water and everything. Um, there's not much you can do to eliminate once the microorganisms are there. So one of my research topics is that I'm looking for biocontrols or bioagents that could be targeting some of these specific pathogens, uh, as say, Salmonella, E. coli, or, or even Listeria.
1: That way you can kill those specifically, but not all of the others. Correct. Because, yeah, it's impossible to grow in a true sterile environment. And one, you really, you wouldn't want to, At the same time like it's you need some of that
0: growing in the system when when we talk about uh, water that is used in irrigation for conventional farms there is you know options for chemical treatments in the water you can chlorinate the water or can use uv light to uh, to like to literally kill all the microorganisms in the water because you're not putting the water there You have the soil that has all the beneficial microbiome and then you have the beneficial bacteria and that it's doing their job. It's not the water itself. But in the aquaponic, for example, we have the water, you know, all the beneficial bacteria that is supposed to be in the soil. We have them in the water coming from the fish and and that is a sustainable, you know, um, environment. That It's sustainable to continue... Yeah, so we have a sustainable system that it's continuing. You know, all the bacteria that are in there, they're beneficial for the plants, but they're also beneficial for the fish. So we cannot kill those, and we don't. And then what we we work with is uh, biocontrols that are target microorganisms, uh, organisms in general that can target those specific. Uh, bacteria. In the case uh, research that I'm conducting right, right now, I'm looking at bacteriophage uh, as a, as an agent to control Salmonella in the in the water. So, for those that they don't know, bacteriophage, also called phage, are the most abundant uh, living organism in the world, and probably that is they're uh, responsible for you know. Life and Earth, because that's, 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 these are the organisms that maintain in bacterial population, profla- proliferation in equilibrium. You know, there are phages everywhere controlling bacterial growth and everything. So phages only target, there are viruses that target a specific bacteria. So we can look at phage that is specifically target Salmonella, E. coli, Listeria, and so on. Okay. So that's very helpful because, I mean, economics are at
1: play here when people are working with these large systems and growing produce in this way. They have a lot at stake because if one little thing goes wrong, which sometimes isn't necessarily the case in the fields, but it can be, but certainly here, one little thing infecting that system is going to spread rapidly, I imagine.
0: Yes, and water is the you know the biggest concern um, for food safety concern uh, because water water can you know carry pathogens everywhere, and especially you, you're looking at uh, a hydroponic and aquaponic that is grown in mm-hmm, water. Mm-hmm. So if, and right if, if microorganisms, you know, pathogens fall into the water, you know, fish are no hosts for uh, E. coli, salmonella, human pathogens. But uh, cross-contamination or if if those bacteria fall into the system for some reason, uh, they will survive there. They will persist. And they can, you know, be carried throughout the whole system. And, and you know contaminate the plants. And this is with either or aquaponics or hydroponics, because some people think of
1: aquaponics being maybe the one that's harder to control diseases in, but really it sounds like both you're at risk for.
0: Yes, so because water is just everywhere, yeah. you know. You're using water as a vehicle, you know, as a growth media. So, so once the microorganism the pathogens, falls in the water, and and that is a big problem. And some, and then also in equipment, you know, if you think about the growing uh, rafts and then you know the growing trays and everything. Uh, microorganisms can stick pretty bad in there, and they're pretty hard to clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen the process of trying to
1: take all of that down and clean it properly. And that looks, I mean, that's a full-time job in and of itself, just maintaining those little pieces and putting
0: them back together. Yes. And so that's why cleaning and sanitizing is a pretty big important um, yeah. those operation.
1: So just to make sure that our listeners are super clear on everything, because I don't know that... Everyone, like I said, in the South, it's kind of under-researched here, and we don't have many growers implementing these practices. So would you tell me the difference between aquaponics and hydroponics and kind of explain both systems, just so that everybody has an understanding if they want to get into that? So I'll
0: let Caroline talk a little bit about that.
1: Hydroponics and aquaponics are kind of just
2: two two separate systems that both use water to carry nutrients to the plants. So. In hydroponics, you have fertilizer that's dissolved in water, and that's gonna carry your nutrients um, to the plant so they can grow and produce fruit. In aquaponics, you're using fish waste as a nutrient source instead of fertilizer, so that fish waste is gonna provide all of the plant essential elements to your crop so that it can grow.
3: So fish poop is the difference?
2: That's correct, yes. Okay,
3: <laughs> It's hard to raise fish, right? I mean, I worked at the fish station for a little while and fish just want to die <laughs> all the time, especially tilapia and things like that when we keep them in ponds and things like that and using water sources that are from creeks and lakes of where other fish might be. There's ick and all these diseases I've never even heard of. I felt like every time I walked in the lab, they were putting a Harry Potter spell on me. So it's not just growing the plants hydroponically, but also you gotta be a fish raiser, a fisher raiser. Yes. Someone who can raise fish.
2: <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Um, water quality is important for both fish and plants, and if the water quality in the fish tank isn't great, your fish are going to suffer for it. So,
3: Camilla, can you tell us a little bit about, tell us and the, the world um, about the projects you're working on for hydroponics?
0: Absolutely. So other than my, pro- my research project, I also have an extension project that is focused on developing new curricula food safety curricula for aquaponics and hydroponics, and educational materials. Because currently, uh, all the available resources that we have are for field growers, you know. And even though the food safety practices might be relatively the same, we have to look at water quality, You have to look at cleaning and sanitizing, cleaner, um, worker strainer, there are different risks, and there are different practices that we need to be, you know, focused uh, for aquaponic and hydroponic. I can give you a pretty good example. You know, when, um, when I talked to a grower once, he mentioned that the most difficult portion on implementing food safety practices on his aquaponic operation, it was that making sure that workers understood that they could not touch the water with one hand and they had to you know they had to pick up the the plant with one hand and the, the other they had to cut it but make sure that the, the the hand did not touch the water so they said it was it was a tricky because it, it makes work harder it probably delays you know harvesting all of the practices but that is something they had to implement over and that that is something you know if you think about field work and everything you know touching the soil it it's not it's not that a big deal no, if no. you're
3: you're gonna play in the dirt when it, when it's available.
0: But in the in the water, you know, if you think about, well, plants are being growing in the water; they're touching all the time. But if you think about it, you know, they're growing above water, and because it's uh, it's um, it is not it is a closed system when you think, when you say about recirculating water and everything. But it's still it is an open source. Uh, so we, we need to think about it you know all the all these practices that are different and and then we are not growing in soil so we don't talk about you know soil amendments in this case but we have to talk a lot about water and and then all of the you no know, different treatments that are available for water you know like you, you don't you, you don't you don't use chemical sanitizers in the water if you have problems with the water uh, because at the, the aquaponic, for example, you have to find other solutions. Uh, so and that is my, my upcoming project. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, we need to develop something that is it will work for growers. You know, they will implement they need to implement practices that are doable. And then they are realistic, but it's still they are following safety practices. You you know to ensure that they what they are growing, what they are producing is safe. Uh, we had a big outbreak, I would say big outbreak last year with salmonella on a hydroponic vertical farm. So that was the first documented um, outbreak related to indoor growing. So and that raised you know. The question is: It a safe, growing system? Uh, it's not a hundred percent safe. You know that the risks that need to be considered.
1: Alabama Ag Credit is a proud sponsor of the Farming Basics podcast. Buying real property isn't the same as buying in town. If you're in the market to purchase your own piece of paradise or need an operating line for your farm, give our friends at Alabama Ag Credit a call. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, they can help you with everything from homes and lands to tractors and crops. Because sometimes natural resources need financial resources. And while some lenders don't get it, they do. Learn more by visiting alabamaagcredit.com.
3: Basically what you're gonna do is take something so what, what's happening now is guys are out there and they're harvesting cucumbers and whatever else they're growing, tomatoes, in their aquaponic or hydroponic system. And, they're, and it's supposed to be relaxing when you harvest these things. I know, you know, outside of farming, guys, outside of farming, when I go to my garden, it's therapy for me. I go out there, I harvest my fruits and vegetables. They touch the ground, I pick them up, and I give those to my friends, and I don't eat those. Um, so... <laughs> But and that, when,
0: and that is not a good advice. You know? Right. You don't harvest dropped produce.
3: That's right, you give it to your friends. <laughs> and so what uh, So it's supposed to be relaxing, but right now it's kind of tedious because we're not wanting to touch things that have been in water, and if fish are involved, you basically need to take a shower in between because these jokers are nasty. <laughs> and so you're just trying to make their job a little bit less stressful, is what it sounds like.
0: Yeah, yeah, well making their life, you know, easier in the future, because, you know, all, all this stress related to, you know, foodborne uh, outbreak or, you know, a recall, it's a lot of stress. Then, you know, implementing some, some practice here and there to make your life a little bit difficult. You know, I would say that. I think it's a, it's a good habit. I think we all learned with the COVID, that washing hands, you know, it's a, practice it, to, you know, avoid contamination, getting sick and everything. So that's why we say, I think the first uh, lesson here is that harvest krills they, like, they need to know that they have to wash their hands, you know, whether they're when they're touching the fish or they're doing anything else. And before harvesting produce or before handling produce in any, in, in any case, they need to wash their hands, you know. That is the first step,
1: and it'll save them money in the long run too. Absolutely, it's not just about eating clean food; it's about helping the farmers continue to make money and yes. you know not lose a whole crop because of contamination. If you think about you know
0: implementing a whole food safety program in the farm, it keeps everything organized. You know, on the long term. Uh, you see that things become easier. And, you know, everything, you you learn new things and you implement new things. And in, in a few months, you see that it's part of your routine and it's not difficult and anymore. And then if they want to go further and get different
1: certifications and it's just already there, they're already yes. doing it.
0: Yes. And they they do, you know, aquaponic, hydroponic growers, they also being uh, inspected by the Produce Safety Rule. So they fall under the Produce Safety Rule because they grow fresh produce. So all the you know the the requirements for them to do to to be qualified uh, to to be inspected uh, they follow the same. Uh, so they if they make more than like 25k or you know if they're not uh, exempt they will be inspected. Uh, if uh, if they want to sell their produce, um, their the buyers market requirements you know they need to fall into that too. So GAP certification, Prime certification, and so on.
1: And those open up a lot of doors for them as well. Um, I know I've seen indoor ag get a lot of attention, and it's good to see now that the research is coming in to kind of back up some of these practices. And it's it's great to see because we do have a lot of urban areas in, well, the world, but here in the South, that's often overlooked. We still think of it as super rural down here. and I feel like I keep maybe throwing the south under the bus. Um, there's probably a lot more aquaponic producers and hydroponic producers here than I'm aware of. So can you talk about some of those? How many are there here?
2: There's not too many, mostly, I think, due to the fact that you know, there's not a lot of research about it. People don't really know what they're getting into. But providing more education about that will certainly help them to become more common. Um, I just know from my work in aquaponics that it's definitely easier for, um, or I guess more worth it for a person who's already producing fish to kind of adapt their production system to aquaponics, as opposed to like someone who's growing plants to add fish to their system and do it that way. Just in terms of, you know, economics, it's it's cheaper to just buy a bag of fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Um, to do hydroponics instead
1: of... Is it, because that was kind of my next question, how should we, as this emerges and as research comes out to support the growers interested in it, how should we direct them and just for their own understanding, which would be the most economical?
2: I think it depends on what your goal is is. So um, if you already to have... To make money? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what if well, that's the yeah. main goal?
2: Yeah. Um, so right now with fertilizer costs being so high, it might be better to do aquaponics yeah. and use that as your yeah. fertilizer that's what course. it sounds
3: like. Is feed cheaper? What's, you know...
2: Fish feed is based on soy and soy is grown with fertilizer, so soy prices are increasing, which means fish feed prices are increasing. Um, so, but if you can use like alternative feed sources, and I know there's a lot of research being done on that um using algae and other kinds of things to feed the fish, there's research kind of trying to close that loop to make it like it can like a really closed system, so something that you grow to feed the fish and the fish will make waste to feed the plants that will kind of keep that circle going
3: so aquaponics it's this great and wonderful thing that everybody's been working on and We grow a lot of catfish in Alabama, especially in West Alabama, where Olivia works. Is that a good fish to use? Can we use catfish? Do you just drop a pipe in a pond and you're like, I'm aquaponics now? Or, you know, how does that work?
2: We've done a lot of research on on tilapia. I know catfish are kind of the standard, you know, fish grown out for aquaculture here. So we haven't done a lot with using catfish for aquaponics. They're grown mostly like in ponds out in the field. So we've done a lot with tilapia and growing them in the greenhouse. They're tropical species, so you can grow them in very warm areas. Um, And we do that so that we can grow them kind of year round, so they'll like produce waste year round so we can grow year-round in our greenhouses. Aquaponics tends right now to stick to freshwater species because plants really don't grow well when you have a high salt concentration. You know, There's research in the works for kind of trying to expand to either low salinity fish species or shrimp or something like that. That's
3: right, because I remember working at the fish farm. We were always salting ponds and doing all this stuff, and I'm like, these are freshwater fish. (laughs) with throwing salt in there and they're like just do it and i'm <laughs> like all right that's what i did
2: some salts are good though because i know that so like we use potassium chloride for the fish to keep them healthy and that just provides more nutrients to the plants but like sea salt is what you don't want
1: i think that was all we had i think we covered a lot for Our growers, if they're interested in learning more, they can find you for sure, Camilla. And then, Caroline, do you want to give your email address if they have questions? So you can reach me at ceb0116 at auburn.edu. Thank you all so much for coming on today. Um, Thank you for listening, too. If you want to rate and subscribe, if you're enjoying this podcast, you can do so on any of the outlets that you're listening on. And for updates, you can follow us on farming underscore basics on Instagram.
3: Oh, and download our Farming Basics app. Uh, It's super cool. It's got calculators and all kinds of cool stuff. You can call me directly and we can talk about podcast stuff or anything you want to talk about. Christmas tree farming, which I'm kind of getting into because I really like cutting my own Christmas trees. So hit us up. We're all on the app.
0: And if you're a produce grower and you're interested on in knowing the quality of your water, microbial quality of your water, we have just launched a program earlier this summer for the egg water safety program. Then you can reach out to us. There is my contact here, and we can do offer free water testing for you and then educational services and everything. So please reach out to us if you have interest. Yes, we are super excited to be able to offer that now to the state. Free is good. Yep. <laughs> this has been a production of Alabama Extension at Auburn University.